joy to come through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. As we see it in the reading of our lessons from God's holy word. Thank you. 
singing of the Alleluia Bridge.
Continue with the sermon hymn at the Lamb's High Feast. We sing on page 10 and 11.
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. A woman stands in the back of church dressed all in white with a veil over her face and a bouquet of flowers in her hands. The organist is playing canon in D and the pews are full of her friends and family. Who is this woman? What is she doing? It appears that she is a bride on her wedding day preparing to get married. But there is one more thing that is essential to her being a bride. She needs a groom. To be a bride, she needs a man waiting at the front of the church for her to come down the aisle and the two to be united as one. A woman cannot make herself a bride. She needs a man to ask her to be his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. The followers of God are united with God and are faithful to God. In marriage, you pledge to forsake all others and be united to one person alone. With God, you must be faithful to God and God alone. The first commandment is, you shall have no other God. The church is the bride of Christ. This idea of God's people being in a marriage relationship with God runs throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, there is much talk about the rebellious children of Israel being an adulterous people. This isn't accusing them of cheating on their spouses. Instead, it's an accusation that they are cheating on God by following other gods, foreign gods. False gods, detestable gods. An interesting and underread book of the Bible is the book of the prophet Hosea. The Lord has the prophet Hosea marry a prostitute named Gomer as a warning to the people of Israel that they are prostituting themselves with other gods. Two of Hosea and Gomer's children are called No Mercy and Not My People. In the New Testament, we see this concept continue and increase. Jesus comes for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and then his ministry expands also to the Gentiles, to the nations. We see in our reading from Acts, God clearly showing that Christ has come for all people, Jew and Gentile. The church consists of the baptized followers of Jesus. The church is the bride of Christ. In Ephesians 5, we see St. Paul offer teachings about marriage based on the relationship of Christ and the church. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands... Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. 
The marriage relationship of husband and wife is modeled after Christ and the church, the bridegroom and the bride of Christ. It's a relationship of submission and protection and cleansing. You all, as the church, are the bride of Christ. Not because you have declared yourself to be such, but because Jesus has made you his bride and washed you clean by the washing of water with the word. And he presents you to himself in splendor. Jesus presents you without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He presents you holy and without blemish. Jesus chose you to be his bride. You all are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. The church belongs to Christ. Therefore, the church is not something you can use to build up your self-esteem. The church doesn't exist for you to use it to network and increase your business. The church is not yours to be used to pursue the American dream of wealth and success. The church is not to be used to exercise authority over people. The church is not yours to be molded and shaped to fit your desires. The church is not yours to adjust so it evolves with the world. The church belongs to Christ. What is the church? The Augsburg Confession is the basic summary of the teachings of the Lutheran Church. First presented to Emperor Charles V on June the 25th, 1530. Article 7 defines the church. Our churches teach that one holy church is to continue forever. The church is the congregation of saints in which the gospel is rightly taught and the sacraments are rightly administered. Together, United in Christ, you are the church. But you did not create the church. You do not get to define the church because the church belongs to Christ. There's an entire industry that markets and sells programs to save the church. There is a false and yet very attractive idea that if we, if we can just do this, or if we can just do that, then we can save the church. But the church is not yours to save. It's not mine to save. The church is Christ's church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Congregations are planted and congregations close. Membership numbers go up and down. There's a great temptation to want to take control that we've got to do something, anything. But the church is not a product to be marketed. The church is where the gospel is rightly taught and the sacraments are rightly administered. The church is for preaching and teaching and baptizing and receiving Holy Communion. The church is for the distribution of God's gifts of forgiveness in Jesus. We go through life as the church, struggling with conflict and sin, fighting off temptation, resisting the devil, suffering the slings and arrows of evil, injury, sickness, and death. The church battles against the devil's desires to divide and destroy. And we do it together as the church. We do it together remembering our baptism. 
We do it together, hearing again and again that our sins are forgiven. We do it together, receiving the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. We live together knowing that Jesus took all our sins into the grave and he left them there when he rose from the dead. You are right now the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And yet for now, the church struggles mightily in this world and life. Jesus warns of, this, warns of this in the gospel reading. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. Jesus is speaking of his death and resurrection, also of his, of his ascension and return in glory on the last day. And so the church lives in the joy of Easter, even as she weeps and laments the evil in this life, even as the world rejoices. The church weeps and laments and yet is filled with the joy of Easter, because you all know that the church will endure until the last day. This age will end. This world will pass away, and despite how many, how often things look bad at times, we know that in the end, Jesus wins. In the midst of all the conflict and confusion and hardships of this life, we get glimpses of what the future holds. In today's lesson from Revelation, we hear John's vision of the last day, and it's a glorious vision. This earth and this life, this is all we know, and yet all of this is only temporary. A new heaven and a new earth are coming. The holy city, New Jerusalem, will descend out of heaven from God as a bride adorned for her husband. God will dwell with his people. The bride of Christ will be with her bridegroom. And we will celebrate at the wedding feast of the Lamb in his kingdom. You live now as a saint of God in this time between Jesus' ascension into heaven and his return on the last day. It is a time of now. You are saved, but you are not yet in the full presence of the Lord. It is a time when you have been declared righteous, innocent, and blessed because Jesus died for you and rose for you. You are right now a saint made perfect in the blood of Jesus, a saint perfected by the blood of Jesus, and yet you still live in this fallen world full of sin and trouble. <clears throat> you are a saint who is, at the same time, a natural-born sinner, struggling to act like who you already are in Jesus. Life as a follower of Jesus is hard. It's a life of bearing your cross. It can seem at times like there's no hope. But in the midst of the struggle and the temptation, and the failure. Remember who you are. You are a baptized child of God, washed clean in the blood of Jesus. Together, you are the bride of Christ. Together, you are his church. Together, look forward to the last day, when, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and, he will be, and they will be his people. 
and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. You are the bride of Christ, washed clean by the blood of Jesus. He presents you without blemish. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Amen. And now may the peace of God, the peace that is beyond understanding, keep your hearts and minds in true faith until our Lord Jesus returns in glory. Amen. We rise and confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. Church, the heavenly bride of Christ, that she would receive his spirit 
always listen to his deathless voice and ever declare his message of salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord for our homes that God and God's redeemed people to his holy abode would be the companion of those who live alone and fill all our households with his wisdom and grace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord for our president, our governor, the Congress and legislature, judges and magistrates, and those in the armed forces that they would guide them, that you would guide them to serve according to your will and for the common good of all. Let us pray to the Lord. For Becky, Shauna, Amy, Michelle, Kathy, Roxanne, Heather, Karen, and all those now in tribulation that God who will at last banish all sorrow, sin, and death would increase their faith and see them through their trials. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who prepare to receive with faith and thanksgiving Christ's flesh from the life of the world, and his blood that cleanses us from sin, that he would unite us to believe and confess one faith, and bring us to that day when we shall be one people together in your table. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord. For patience as we long for the second coming of Christ, and for joy even now as we receive him in his word and sacrament. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord. All these things and whatever else you know that we need, grant us, Father, for the sake of him who died and rose again, now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever.
everlasting God. And most especially, we bow and praise you on this day for the glorious resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, the very paschal lamb who sacrificed for us and bore the sin of the world. By his dying, he has destroyed death. And by his rising again, he has restored to us everlasting life. Therefore, with Mary Magdalene, Peter, and John, and with all the witnesses of the resurrection, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, and we praise you and say,
body and blood of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen you and preserve you in true faith unto life everlasting. Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven.
And we implore you that of your mercy would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Thank you.